Hey everyone, welcome back to Navigating Netflix Originals. As always, I'm Madison, and as always, I'm joined by Jamie. Hello. And welcome back to our podcast. Thank you for being here and sticking with our erratic upload schedule. Yes. <laughs> um, so today we've got a treat for you all. We're going to be discussing a full season of a rather long series. And if you've been with us for a while, you will know that we've discussed the first three seasons of this series already. And it's called Sex Education, season four. And it is also the last season, the season finale or, yeah, yeah, series finale, if you will, the last season of it. Um, so it kind of wraps everybody's storylines up as well in this quite long season. It's got eight episodes and several of them are over an hour long, especially the last one. Um, so there's a lot of content to get through a lot of storylines to talk about um but yeah so jamie yes. what did you think of this season and it's it being the ending to one of our favorite shows on netflix i i really liked it i thought it, they did a good job of progressing everyone's story i think that they made some great choices that are very mature for a lot of the characters which i i like to see um, and yeah, I, I really, really liked it. And I like how Otis kind of finds his way too, which we'll discuss, yes. but, but yeah, I thought it was a really good ending. I did have that moment of like sadness at the end when I was like, yeah. oh, it's like an end of an era, but, um, yeah. yeah. What about you? Did you, did you like it? Oh, I, I loved it. There were several times where I was like in actual tears, especially like in the last couple of episodes yeah. and just, and knowing like that this was going to be the last season because they kind of, they let everybody know that this was, this was the last season. And so knowing that these storylines were wrapping up was like definitely bringing me to tears at some point. Um, I, I always liked Amy, like right from season one and she's kind of came out of this season as like my favorite character in the series. I think I just yeah. I really, really love Amy. Um, and yeah, I agree with you that they, they really did a good job at redeeming some of the characters that yeah. we were initially meant to really dislike in the earlier seasons, like Adam and his father, Michael. Um, and we're kind of really not left with many characters that that you don't like anymore, other than, like, I guess Viv's boyfriend. Like, Ugh. we don't like him. But, <laughs> like, yeah. the rest of the characters in the show have, like, storylines that really are arcs you know that turn their characters around um and really give good endings for everybody yeah i thought so too yeah yeah i was glad to see yeah I, yeah as you say the people who are kind of negative in the beginning adam um we could even add on isaac to that as well he kind of gets true. a little redemption arc yeah um, yeah it was really great to see but yeah amy oh, oh amazing i love it yeah. <laughs> and like her character has always been kind of the ditzy, you know, silly girl kind of, especially in the earlier season, she was given all of like the really quirky lines and like you weren't totally meant to take her seriously. And she still has a lot of like silly lines in this one, but yeah. she really kind of comes into her own and, and matures and kind of confronts the sexual assault that she'd faced, I think in season two um in, in like a way through like art and photography that i absolutely loved mm -hmm. um yeah oh, such 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 a good character and i really like her with isaac like they're a good pair <laughs> same yeah i thought that was a good a good pairing um 
Yeah, okay. I, I love that we can we can talk about Amy and Isaac sure. first or Amy. Um, yeah, I really like if, with their coupling that like, you know, as you said, Amy continues here to like say quirky things and like she often just speaks things before she's even thought them through. And despite the fact that some of those things are, you know, offensive to Isaac, like he kind of, yeah, he kind of gets, you know, gets her in a way and it kind of becomes okay, you know? And I think he, he comes to appreciate like that aspect of her, which I thought was really cute. Yeah. I think, I think he, like, especially after she kind of owns up to it and says, like, you know, sometimes I just say the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, without without thinking how it might affect somebody else when she kind of, like, insults. I don't even remember exactly what she says um, about him being, it was, like, about him being in a wheelchair or something, yeah. but I don't, I don't remember what it was that she said. Um, but, like, it, I think that he kind of comes to appreciate that she does just, like, speak her mind. And sometimes it's ridiculous. And, you know, and sometimes it's, like, really meaningful. And, and yeah. And I, as soon as they got in the elevator together and it, like, broke down, I was like, oh, okay. They're going to have <laughs> me a thing. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I'm glad. Like, one of the mature things that happens is, like, of course, Maeve and Isaac have a history and right. so Amy, you know, because, you know, she truly loves Maeve, like, you know, they really are best friends. I, she is very hesitant and like, wants Maeve's approval before anything goes forward. And like, right. you know, as soon as she men- mentions it, and Maeve is sort of like, no, she backs off. Um, but I love that, you know, as we get further on, Maeve kind of realizes that like, it's not them together that was making her feel a certain way she was kind of afraid of losing them or something like that. I'm glad she comes to her senses and like allows them to, to explore what that is together. Yeah. And I figured she would like, it was just really poor timing. Like Amy kind of asking Maeve about Isaac, like right after Maeve's mom has died and she's like back from America to deal with like the funeral and all that. And then like being confronted with the idea of like her best friend and her ex getting together, like on top of all that, I'm sure was just like overwhelming. And she was just like, no, I, I can't think about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, like you said, she, she really turns that around and was like, you guys should absolutely explore whatever this is between you two. <laughs> yeah. And I, and that also like, you know, I think Amy was very aware that a lot of that was going into Maeve's reaction, which is why when she says it, she's like, you know, she's very aware and she's like, oh, wrong time. I understand. Like, you know, right. we won't talk about this now and all yeah. this stuff. So it's like, you know, despite, yeah, Amy often being presented in earlier seasons as sort of ditzy and like unaware, like she's very, in, she is in fact very like mature and aware, even if she doesn't always act that way. Right, even if she has some of the best quirky lines in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but did you, do you feel like you have a favorite character in the show? Um, do I have a favorite character? I mean, I do love Amy. Um, if you don't, I was just going to say we could talk about your favorite character next. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if I would say I have a favorite. I would say that like, up till the end, I liked Otis a lot less than I have in previous seasons. That's fair. Uh, I mean, Eric's always a, always great. Always a, 
Yeah. I, I love Eric. His storyline was a little off the rails for me this season. Like, I'm glad he's happy yeah. and all that. But, like, it was strange. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I really like that they had him battling with, like, his feeling towards, you know, identifying as Christian and believing in God and yet coming to terms with the fact that like the community as it is for him currently is not accepting enough for him to like go through baptism. Like I, yeah, it was interesting that they went that way. And I, I guess we have had moments where, you know, he'd, he'd mentioned religion in the past and how that was like a difficult thing for him. But yeah, they really went off the rails here and now he's talking to God and, I mean, like, he's either, like, actually speaking to God or he's hallucinating and, like, seeing a vision of God in front of him. (laughs) Like, one of those two. And it kind of, like, progresses to that throughout the season where, like, he's originally just getting, like, these little signs and flashes to, like, like, full-on hallucinating and or actually speaking to God and chasing God through the woods. Yeah. It's not really clear which way it is, but like we do know from even like from season one that his family is very religious and he likes that community of, you know, being part of of the church, but also knowing that the church is the only place that he's not out as a gay man. And as he's become more and more proud of his sexuality, that has become like a bigger and bigger issue for him. Um, And as he's like struggling with whether or not he actually wants to be full on baptized into this church during this season, he like eventually like comes out to his congregation and says, you know, I, I am a gay man. And if you can't accept that, then I'm going to walk. And the only one who stands up and says, you know, I accept you and love you as you are is, is his mother, which was no surprise because she's always been that way for yeah. him. Um, so he does, he walks out of the church and he doesn't get baptized, but then continues to hallucinate <laughs> and or actually speak to God. Afterwards. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of like we essentially see him have what a lot of people refer to as like the calling, right? He's, yeah. He's being called and, you know, God, if that's who it is, reveals to him that, you know, what he needs, you know, what God has always wanted for him is to to find his own path and be the one to, like, spread the word of, like, true love and acceptance. And right. and I, I think in a lot of ways it makes sense that, like, Eric would want to be a pastor in some sort of, like, new age, very accepting and open church. Right. <laughs> yeah, I can picture that. I guess my my personal like struggles and opinions on that is like no matter how open and accepting you are as a pastor like the religion that you're preaching yeah. still is not open and accepting um right so I, maybe maybe Eric just needs to form his own religion <laughs> and yeah. not base it on the bible which is very like homophobic <laughs> sexist kind of content right no that's true yeah i mean maybe that's what will happen you know maybe Maybe. as he goes through he'll realize that like what he really wants to spread is incompatible with like the the base of of christianity and he'll move forward um i guess we'll never know but (laughs) i do i do appreciate like the dynamic between eric and otis in this season as well yeah um, because like a, a big part of Eric's journey is becoming friends with like the new kids at their new school, um, Abby and Roman and uh, I don't remember the third girl's name. 
Yeah, um, I think her name is Aisha. Aisha, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, kind of becoming part of that group where they are very much more like Eric than Otis is. Yeah. And him kind of kind of finding community with them in a way that he never found with Otis. And he struggles with that because Otis is like his oldest best friend and Otis doesn't want to talk about all of the differences between them. You know, he'd rather just like ignore them and push them, push them away. And, and Eric does want to talk about them. Um, so yeah. kind of breaks down their friendship a little bit where they have a little friend breakup for about an episode before they, you know, reconnect and, and realize that they're best friends and they don't want to, hate each other or anything over this but <laughs> right yeah well yeah Maturity of both parts. right yeah and the entire yeah the entire season is just them slowly coming to that moment of like having their friend friendship break up because right. yeah i mean otis like i mean i guess i can understand in a way like if he feels like he can't really speak to like the experiences that eric is having you know whether it be race related or sexuality related like you know I can understand him maybe feeling awkward trying to like talk about those things, but at the same time, like it's very blatant throughout the series that like <laughs> Eric is always there to listen to like him drone right. on about Maeve. And then the moment yeah. Eric opens his mouth, Otis is like distracted by someone else or doing, and he just like walks away essentially. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. this is a very one-sided friendship um, up until he realizes thanks to O that like he actually needs to face those things that he may feel uncomfortable with. Right. And and I think it's important, too, that, you know, the series shows that despite, you know, whether or not you have a friendship that's lasted since you were a kid, like, there are certain things that, you know, you may not see eye to eye on or you may not share the that, you know, may not be in that same kind of realm with, you know, like, right. and it's okay that, you know, maybe some, even if they are newer friends, like, you can relate to them more on one thing or the other, or they can understand that better than someone who's known you for a long time because it's right. you know people have different experiences and connect on different ways so I, I like that they showed it's kind of like the same idea I think where sometimes when people get into couples they kind of expect that person to be the bearer of everything in their life like every issue they have and every trouble and it's like you need different outlets and it's okay if you're talking to like x person about whatever and y yeah. person about whatever like it's a normal sort of sort of thing so well it is it's like a good thing to have i feel like a lot of people don't have multiple outlets yeah. in their life um and and i think that for a long time otis's only outlet was kind of um eric yeah. <laughs> he was the only, eric was the only person that he ever really talked to about anything um so i feel like that otis learning how to like also talk then let eric talk about his problems um was a long time coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's very like ironic too, because of course the entire series, Otis's kind of role is to listen to the troubles of others right. that he does not have experience with at all and kind of no. help them through that. Um, and yet, yeah, he has a very, he struggles to kind of listen to Eric at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's part of the reason like he spends so much time listening to other people's problems and usually their problems like you said that Otis doesn't have any actual experience in his own life dealing with and so he doesn't want to listen to his best friend's problems too like he wants that to be a place where he can kind of vent instead of having to to be the listener in that dynamic 
yeah. um, which is, isn't fair to Eric. And, you know, Eric obviously kind of confronts Otis about that eventually. But um, yeah, maybe that is part of the reason there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Him and Otis and his sex therapy. Yes, uh, which is, <laughs> which... of course, like the other big arc of this season is who's going to be the school's sex therapist the battle of the sex therapists otis versus O. Mm -hmm. (laughs) which (laughs) oh my god i i did not like eric or um otis's like initial take on like coming into this new school and new environment and and learning that there's already like a student sex therapist in this school and immediately thinking oh she somehow stole my idea like i'm the original sex therapist and it is like get off your high horse she's never even heard of you before right and that's yeah that was i think the most annoying thing because i feel like up to this point in a lot of ways otis seemed very like situationally aware and then suddenly he's like all up in arms about like she stole this from me and blah 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 and it's like i don't it seemed very for me it seemed a bit out of place it it did and i feel like maybe the reason that they did it was because like otis's entire identity at his last school was like being the sex therapist so like not being able to be that at the new school like he's like who is he then you know if he doesn't have that as his identity then he doesn't know who he is so he kind of just like goes into this like tunnel vision of like i need to be the sex therapist in the school there's not room for two sex therapists i can be the only one i am the original kind of mindset um, which doesn't work out for him, uh, ultimately. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like that, you know, as he goes through the, the, se- the season, he does eventually, like, you know, there's that scene where Connor, the third person, actually wins, but he only wanted to see Gene or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> it defaults to Otis, and then Otis, you know, gives it up for, for O. Yeah. And then everyone kind of hates her for a second until Ruby saves the day, but... I yeah. I liked that he kind of stepped down and the potential, you know, at the end when O is kind of like, well, maybe, you know, we work well together. Maybe we could do this together. Um, I thought that was a cool, a cool way for him to like, you know, find some common ground with O and make a new friend. Yeah, I, I did like that conclusion a lot. But my guess my question about, about that and really about the whole election is like, isn't, their school year, like them being in high school, going to be done shortly. <laughs> like, does this election even really matter much? They're all they're gonna all be moving on to like whatever comes after their last year of high school pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so it feels like this election because they're all like doing their mock exams and everything. So it feels like the, the you know they're I, I don't guess I don't know maybe they're doing it at the beginning of the school year. I'm not really the timeline of when this actually yeah. takes place year isn't super clear. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not sure either. But, um, but yeah, I did like, because I, I, you're kind of originally like not really supposed to like O in the first mm-hmm. couple of episodes. You're supposed to like kind of see her as the antagonist to, to Otis. But like, obviously, we learn more about her character, um, and her backstory. And she's obviously like a pretty decent person who's just done some bad things in the past that she does apologize for and, and kind of have a redemption arc for as well. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a, an interesting way to like keep Ruby in the story is yeah. to you know bring her back as like the one that O had you know essentially made fun of and 
socially ruined oh. for a while. Yeah. yeah, way back in like, I don't know, middle school age, young mm-hmm. middle school age, and kind of, I'm picturing like what uh, the American fifth grade age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. I don't know what that translates to in England. But... <laughs> Who knows? But... but yeah, I liked, and I liked um, Ruby and Otis kind of, being able to like be friends and and then ultimately ruby like saying you know no i have enough friends i don't need you anymore (laughs) (laughs) he like continually leads her on on multiple occasions yeah uh, unintentionally (laughs) that's another thing that's like that really annoyed me about this is like i don't know like again, is Otis like intentionally going to lead someone on just be- so that he can win this race? Like, it again seems so like I don't know, careless and like emotionless. Whereas like yeah. I feel like in the pa- maybe I'm not remembering the past seasons well, but like where I felt like Otis was more like in touch and like aware of that kind of thing where he wouldn't really be doing that. But then again, I guess like you know he is like Maeve is gone, so some girl is showing him some attention. So like. Well, and him and Ruby go. did kind of have like a relationship that I don't, I wouldn't say. And like, and Ruby kind of told him at one point that she was falling in love with him, and he was just like, "Thanks." <laughs> and that's that's when that ended for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, me- I I don't think he's intentionally like leading Ruby on in order to like make his campaign stronger. At the new school, I don't think he's like trying to be cruel to Ruby. I think that he's lonely, yeah. and and he's been with Ruby before, you know, sexually. So like, there's a level of comfort of being around her that he doesn't have with everybody else. Yeah, and and she is receptive. You know, she seems to be wanting to spend time with him. Um, and and it's just I think there's just like a lot of confusing emotions for both of them in that situation. Yeah. But um, they do they do work it out. Yeah, and kind of when he he first starts like you know seeing like hanging out with her again is also when Eric's kind of diving into his friendship with Abby right. and the others. So he's very distant from Otis at that point, and even right. like uninvites him to the you know to the queer gathering so and like ruby kind of initiates the connection at the beginning because she wants to get back at O by like helping otis run his campaign to be elected as the school's sex therapist which i don't feel like there's a high school that exists that really has a student sex therapist (laughs) but there's especially like a campaign to like elect one but um like she has a ruby has ulterior motives for like wanting to hang out with otis initially and then while they're like working on the campaign is when otis kind of gets ditched by eric so that eric can go to that nightclub with his new friends and ruby's like oh why don't you just you know stay and and hang out with me kind of thing um that's true yeah so i feel like it's on both of them in, in a lot of ways that they they should probably have just been friends right from the beginning and never tried to make it be anything more than that. <laughs> but right. too late for that, they'd already slept together. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But, uh, I did really enjoy the scene of like Eric at the nightclub and trying what I'm guessing we're supposed to assume was ecstasy for the first time. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and then that church kid. Giving a giving him a BJ in the bathroom. In the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, good. 
Oh, it was a fun, like, nightclub scene. Yes. yes. Where, like, nothing really bad happens. And I feel like a lot of times when kids go to nightclubs and movies and try drugs, like, something really terrible happens. But, like, the fairly positive experience, I feel. Yeah, overall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's jump to Maeve. Maeve. In, starts off in America because she's there on that scholarship that she got at the end of the last season mm-hmm. and is pursuing writing. She so. is. I like, uh, so the, her teacher there, who's an asshole is yeah. um, actually, I, I forget his real name, something Levy, but he played uh, David in Schitt's Creek. I was like, Oh, I was going to ask you that. I, he looked really familiar. Yeah. I was like, I think he was that guy in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> I was like, David, what are you doing here? um so he yeah he's a very different character in the show yes yeah he, he's just kind of like a almost washed up writer who's very you know jealous almost of any of the younger writers which is why he essentially tells Maeve that her story's shit and then right. that makes her want to quit writing altogether for a while Right, and then she gets that news about like her story being shit. Like, and then a minute later, gets the phone call that her mom is overdosed and is you know essentially dying in the hospital, kind of thing. So then she goes back to England and has like these these thoughts in her mind about like not wanting to go back to America then to finish the program because her teacher, who she looked up to, has told her that she's a crap writer, basically. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, when she says she may stay, Otis is very, very happy and, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I, I really loved, like, the scene where she goes over to to Otis's house to to have dinner with uh, Jean. Yeah. And, like, it's just the two of them for a while. So then, you know, it becomes almost like a therapy session. And, yeah. like, <laughs> that scene is so, like, beautiful in a lot of ways because, like, once they get back on the right foot, Jean really... I think helps her a lot, you know, realizes that like, you know, no one can really tell you if you're going to fail or succeed. It's up to you to actually do that. And, and at one time she mentions like, you know, how Maeve really needs someone in her corner, needs a parent, like, you know, to be there to support her. And it almost makes me feel that like, despite the fact that Maeve and Otis break up at the end, like Jean may still be there if she needs her, you know? Right. Like, if she called her or whatever, she would absolutely help her out. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, she ultimately realizes she does want to continue to write and and heads off. And I think that that I really liked as the conclusion for Maeve and Otis. Like, you know, they they get to have their moment of, like, being together and realizing that they do love each other. But, like, the things they want are just different. Um, Right. And, you know, ultimately, I, uh, Otis realizes that it is an asshole move to be upset that, you know, her his mother convinced her that she's actually not a terrible writer and that she can right. <laughs> continue to do things she loves. Because at first, Otis is, like, very upset with Jean because she, quote, convinced her um, that she should leave. And I'm like, right. this is such a terrible, like, take, you know? It is. Yeah. Ugh, I was so annoyed. So I was glad at the end when he was like, no, you know, it was the right thing for Maeve to to go and pursue this. Um, right. And, like, Maeve kind of makes it known to Otis that she's not just interested in going back to school to finish that semester that she got the scholarship from like she kind of tells him that she feels 
more like herself there than she does at home, you know, in, in England and kind of alludes to the idea that she might want to stay in America for good and, and pursue kind of a career there, um, which is very possible since her friend there at the college dug her, you know, her essay or her story out of the trash and gave it to a publisher who was like super impressed with her writing. So she might actually be able to make a career as a writer in America, which uh, isn't that just the dream. <laughs> right. And I, I love that because like, you know, at first and in, in ways she is like the person uh, who digs her thing out of the trash, Ellen, her like roommate who she keeps walking in on having sex is, um, you know, she's very much the typical, like, got into this program because she's wealthy and has money. She's chosen by the teacher for the scholarship, again, because she has money and her family's known. Um, But she finds Maeve's thing and, like, recognizes that it's good. So she, you know, helps her. And I think that's a great, you know, that's a really great little arc for them because at first Maeve is kind of jealous and realizes, I think, that Ellen is only in that because it's, like, a momentary interest of hers. Right. And whereas like for, for Maeve, it's kind of like everything. Um, so yeah, I really. America kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I really like that. Yeah. Ellen ultimately is like, you know, helping her sort of promote her career. And, and I love too that at the end, Maeve, like, you know, the teacher tries to be like, well, you know, trying to make excuses for his actions. Um, and yeah. she's just kind of like, I don't really need you to tell me if it's good or not. Like, <laughs> you right. know, fuck you, essentially. <laughs> puts him in this place <laughs> yeah i love that yeah i i also was really glad that th- with the direction that ellen went with that because when she first pulled it out of the trash i thought she was going to take it and pass it off as her own writing uh, with like the publishers because we'd already kind of known at that point that she wasn't a terrible writer but she also wasn't great like you said that she was only probably got the scholar or the internship because of who she is and the amount of money her family had donated kind of thing so I thought like she was just going to steal Maeve's writing, <laughs> yeah. but uh, does the right thing with it. Yeah. I thought at first that the teacher was going to like, you know, because he was talking about how, I don't know, he, he wasn't really pleased with his most current work and stuff. So I thought at first he was going to like take her, like be like, oh, this is trash. Don't pursue it. And then take the chapter and actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, do I, something with it. I kind of had that brief thought as well. Yeah, that it was somehow going to get stolen from her. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad that that didn't happen. But Me too. But yeah, I, I also really like that, um, you know, at the funeral, uh, we see a lot of, leading up to that, a lot of interactions with her brother. And of course, her brother's an ass during the funeral as well. Although rightly so, like, you know, you know, his mother was terrible. So speak, yeah. speak your truth guess- about it. Yeah, he's he's one of those characters that doesn't really get a redemption arc either. <laughs> no, I think we're meant to assume that he's probably going to ultimately. Although he said that he was interested in like sobering up at some point, but seems yeah. Like... And I guess when she goes to whatever that guy's name was, Hefty Mo or something, like at the very end to pick up the ashes, he says that like Sean had left because he wanted to get sober and he would figured he wouldn't be able to do it there. So like maybe a little bit of optimism for Sean. Yeah. And, and you know, I, th- I think it's really realistic too, though, that, you know, when she comes, goes outside to confront him at the funeral for acting like an asshole, he kind of is like, kind of like puts her down and he's like, well, who are you to say anything? Because like, you're running away, you're going to America, you're doing this. And I feel like right. that is a lot of, you know, feelings that sometimes feel, family or people in general feel towards those who end up having some success is like, 
or, you know, are able to sort of get out of the bad situation that they were brought up in is that somehow they feel like they're, they're higher than them, that they are more important or that the life is more, you know, matters more. Right. And I think the reality is that like, you know, for Maeve, you know, she found this thing that may help her get out of this. And I don't think she, you know, obviously for her, it's not for spite as her brother seems to think at first. It's like, you know, she is just trying to get out. And so instead of being happy for her, he's jealous, which turns him into a bit of an asshole. And I think that that unfortunately is the reality for a lot of people in Maeve's situation, which is all the more great that like, you know, at the end she decides to leave and doesn't feel like out of guilt, she needs to stay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really true. And I feel like, like it's obviously sad and terrible that her mother dies, especially like the way that she dies overdosing on drugs. Um, But I feel like that also sort of sets Maeve free. She doesn't have that tie and that connection to England anymore. She doesn't have to feel like she needs to be worrying about her mother or, you know, what her mother's going to do next, or if her mother's going to call her and ask for money, like she, that, that kind of just severs that tie for her and, and allows her to go back to America or wherever the fuck she wants to go. Um, so it's, there's like a positive side to that as well. Yeah, that's right. True. Because like she has, you know, the younger sister who is not at the funeral, but like she, she kind of has a mother now. She's been adopted by somebody else and like, she's going to be okay. Maeve can come back to visit her and all that. Um, but she doesn't need to worry about raising her anymore. Right. And she kind of even says at the end, like that the only real family she has left there are Isaac and Amy. So she's like, I'm sure she'll be back to visit them or they'll come out to America or something. But yeah, which was like why she was so, like upset initially about the idea of them dating was because she somehow thought that she was going to lose them. If that happened, probably like if they, if they'd started dating and it didn't work out, you know, she'd have to choose between who she could be friends with then kind of thing. Um, I think Amy would have won that battle, but (laughs) probably so. (laughs) But, But yeah, you know, that, that worked out well for, for everybody there. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the long and short of Maeve, Maeve's journey. She's not as prominent of a character in this season as she's been in the other three seasons. Probably, you know, she's halfway around the world kind of thing. So it's harder to be involved in everybody's storylines. And, you know, you can't introduce too many new characters in the last season of a show. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So she's kind of just there with with, uh, Ellen, her sex sex roommate. (laughs) Yeah, her sex roommate. Um, I guess, like, jumping back to Amy, because we started with her, and then I don't think we actually went into her story at all. I liked that, uh, you know, in in this season, she discovers, like, photography as sort of a way to, like, move through her, her own pain and express herself. And I think that, like, even though we have a glimpse back of, like, her baking still, because, like, apparently she's become a good baker, which is good. Yeah, she's um, not just good at decorating; it actually tastes good now too. <laughs> yeah, that oh my god, the like um, funeral planning woman was like nearly orgasming at eating it. So she was eating that cupcake. Yeah, <laughs> it must be delicious. But um, I love that. Yeah, Amy discovers art and specifically for photography with the help of Isaac, and then yep. you know is able to finally move through or start processing like the trauma of of the bus and all that stuff, and like the ending sort of like scene with her, you know, finally being able to wear the, like wear those pair of pants again and then burning them yes. as she, as she dances. I'm like, Oh, 
That's so I love that scene so much. As soon as they showed her early on, like finding that pair of pants in her closet again, I was like, oh, okay. So she's finally going to confront that in this season. Good. Yeah. And, and I love the way that she does that. She decides that like she, cause she struggles with like, not understanding what she wanted to express with her art for a long time. And like when she finally like realizes that she wants to express the anger that she has at, at a lot of different things in the world, but like mostly at men yeah. and, and wanting to like bring that pair of pants back out. She kind of, she says something to, I didn't write the quote down, but she says something to Isaac, like the effect that she feels like she, there's still times when she feels like she's always still wearing those pants, like that she is still yeah. that, you know, scared girl on the bus, you know, having this happen to her and she can't throw the pants away and she can't wear them. So she's kind of like stuck in limbo between who she was then and who she is now and, and being able to like put the pants on and take photos of herself in them and then take photos of herself burning them. Like, oh, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was great. Truly freed from the pants. Yeah. And I like that she went old school and used like film photography to like do it and not just you know, shooting it on her phone kind of thing. Yeah. I like that. gives her an excuse to go into the dark room with Isaac. Exactly. <laughs> I do love after she filled the first uh, reel of film, she's like, how do I get them out of this? <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, getting them out of that i took photography in high school it is very challenging because you can't even do that in the dark room like you have to like do it in an actual complete black room to like get the film out of the camera at initially like there can be no light on it before you start developing it so you literally just have to do it by like feel yeah it's very strange (laughs) (laughs) but um but it reminded me of developing film in high school so that was fun yeah but yeah, that's uh, that's Amy's Amy's little arc. Um, we do have yeah. Cal as well, who we saw yes. in previous seasons as sort of like an interest to Jackson. Oh yeah, we have Jackson as well. Jackson as well, yeah, Jackson and Cal. But yeah, so you know, in this one, they're still not really talking. Um, I think Cal. Yeah, I think Cal thinks Jackson hates them a lot more than they do or you know is because i think jackson really wants to be friends with them again but cal is very much not feeling that but cal is also struggling a lot in this season yeah um and i I, i'm not i feel like jackson really liked cal and kind of just got freaked out when Cal came out as non-binary because Jackson like felt like he needed to be part of the LGBTQ community in order to date Cal or something like that. Yeah. Because like at the beginning when he's with that other girl and she sticks his finger up his bum and he realizes he really likes that. He's like almost like hopeful like that this yeah. means he is somehow like gay or something and, and then he could maybe be with Cal um, but Otis is like, it's fine. Oh, a lot of heterosexual men enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Cal, Cal is, I feel like Cal is the one character that doesn't really have a happy ending. It's optimistic in a lot of ways, but there's not a lot of like happy kind of conclusion to Cal's storyline. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we see Cal struggling, not talking to their mother about the situation, even though she really seems to want to like, you know, get back into their life because apparently she reacted very poorly when Cal came out right. as non-binary. And, right, and now, like, they don't really trust their mother anymore. Yeah, and so it goes as far as, of course, to, like, 
Cal essentially contemplating suicide we're meant to believe as they're standing at the edge of a cliff when they find her or when they find them but yeah um and like throughout the season like i gosh i cannot remember the woman's name that that cal is sort of like cal's love interest aisha yeah aisha Aisha, okay. So, like, when they're, like, in the bathroom together in that one scene and Cal realizes that they're on their period and uh, then they're like, oh, I didn't I didn't think that would happen because I'm on testosterone and that, like, really sends them, I think, down a dark spiral of, like, gender dysphoria yeah. of, like, knowing that they're on testosterone and still getting their period and just, like, not being able to make sense of that in their mind at all. <laughs> right. And, you know, that coupled with the fact that they learn that it's going to take probably years to even be able to to go through, like, the um, the healthcare system in, in the UK to, to get top surgery. It's just one thing on top of the other, which, yeah, just causes them to spiral a bit. And I, I think... Hmm? I was going to say, like, t- those type of things, like, especially the medical-related stuff, uh, even the fact that they have to get their testosterone from like essentially the black market we're meant to right. <laughs> to understand um, shady deals is is I think an important thing because especially I mean here in the U.S. currently you know there's a lot of, there are a lot of laws or bills being proposed and or passed in certain states that are essentially cutting off healthcare for um, you know I get trans or anyone who's seeking that sort of um, medical help uh and i think drawing attention to that and like just how detrimental it can be to someone's um mental health is is a very important story to have yeah absolutely and like when cal has the conversation with roman about like roman is trans and came from kind of a rich family so he was able to afford to go out of pocket or go private um and like pay for treatment and he tells cal like it cost almost $10,000 to have top surgery. And Cal was like, well, there's no way, you know, my family would ever be able to afford that. So I think that is also very discouraging to them as well to kind of hear that, that figure of what the, if you have, if you can't go through the public health system, this is how much it's going to cost kind of thing was like a huge kind of discouraging thing for them as well. Yeah. And I mean, luckily we, we learned that, you know, the goal is to use the funds that they raised through the school to yeah. fund the top surgery after Eric's church denies the money. Which, um, it's just a stupid thing. Like Eric wants to donate the money to, from the school fundraiser to the church so that a community food bank can be open. But when the church kind of realizes how progressive the school is, they're like, mm, never mind. I guess people will just have to starve. We can't take your money. <laughs> And so instead of donating it to the church, then they decide to donate it to Cal so that they can get top surgery done, which was awesome. I hope they raised $10,000. Hopefully so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah, like, so that storyline, like, it kind of wraps up with, like, Cal laying in their bed and their mom comes in and lays down next to them and they kind of... There's like this acceptance where like Cal allows his mom or allows their mom to like, you know, huddle them basically, you know, wrap their arms around them. And I feel like we're supposed to probably assume that Cal's going to be okay, but that they're going to allow their mom to be there as a support yeah. system again. Um, but it's not it's not the happy ending that most of the other characters get. 
Yeah. And we also, you know, it seems like they realize that uh, Eric and, and, and Jackson are, you know, do care for them a lot and that they'll be yes. there to also, you know, as support if they need. Um, so they're not entirely alone in, in everything, which is good to good to it know. Was. It was it was also a little confusing because like Jackson is talking with Amy and some other people and Amy kind of says this long thing about how about of talking about love basically and like it just dawns on Jackson like hearing Amy say these things like where Kel probably is. So like are we to assume that Jackson is in love with Kel? <laughs> or like I wasn't really sure how we were supposed to interpret that, but I mean I think it's very possible because, you know, you had mentioned, you know, there's a time where, you know, he was hoping that he's part of the LGBTQ plus just so that he can be with them. Yeah. Which I think is part of maybe the beginning of his uh, of his journey to realize that, like, I don't know, sexuality is fluid title, like these sort of like, you know, titles we give each other and ourselves are kind of fluid and and arbitrary. So it's like if he really likes them for who they are, then why can't why can't he just be with them, you know? So yeah. maybe I don't think Cal's in, the, in a headspace to be with anyone currently. No, not at the moment. But but, but maybe having Jackson like in their corner as a support system, you know, would be good. And yeah. I think that that's probably the case. Right. But Jackson has his own issues also to he deal with. In does <laughs> yeah. So he has a Jackson has a bit of a cancer scare. Yeah. Um, and then he's seeing balls everywhere, which is curious like literally like <laughs> rooms full of balls everywhere <laughs> but of course i you know that's just the manifestation of like his anxiety which we did see you know he struggled with anxiety in the earlier seasons um and uh, so that kind of comes back when he's faced yeah. with this like health scare um which is important and that leads ultimately to like the idea of the the secret that you know he he wasn't actually like I forget if his parents had told him that he was just adopted or if, oh no, sperm donor. So like, sperm donor, yeah. yeah, so it comes to, the truth comes to light that uh, he is a product of an affair right? and not a sperm donor, not with a yeah. affair. Like his mother didn't cheat on his other mother. They weren't together yet, but like right. she slept with a, a married man. And became pregnant and... Tried to get the father involved, you know, sent him all kinds of notes and pictures, letting letting the father know that he had this son and the father just sent all of everything back and didn't want anything to do with with her or the baby at all. Um, and then she meets Jackson's other mother and they decide that they want to raise Jackson together as a family. And I get like not wanting to tell you know like a young child that you're the product like of an affair kind of thing but i think just flat out lying and being like oh you came from a sperm donor was probably not the right decision (laughs) that's what i was thinking too and i I mean it's got to be a tough call for like how to actually deal with that situation as like the parent right but at the same time like I, i do feel like a lot of times we see these stories where yeah, not being fully truthful ends up just hurting the child later in life. And it's like, right. you know, now, I don't know, as a, as an adult or young adult, he's starting to struggle with these feelings of like, why doesn't my father like want anything to do with me? He knows about right. everything I've done where it's like, if he's been co- sort of aware throughout his entire life that his father is just like, not interested I don't know, maybe he could have had time to deal with that. Or maybe awesome. he'd be in the same spot. Like, <laughs> it's hard to say. 
But yeah, yeah I don't know what the, the right answer is there, but it does feel, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. I feel like I would not want to just be openly dishonest with my child about their origin. But. And, and like when when the storyline is first introduced um, and he kind of comes to his mom's and says that he wants to find his sperm donor and he leaves the room then and the one mom turns to the other and just says something like, yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to deal with this or something. I thought they were going to go a very different direction with the storyline. I thought they were going to have his mom like having been raped and not wanting to have told him that part of the story. Same. And, and yeah. that part I kind of understand stand like not telling your child that you know you're like the product of a sexual assault kind of thing um but this but that's obviously not the direction that they go and they go like oh she was just having an affair with a married man kind of thing um yeah. i also see, thought, I, I, yeah. I don't know what the right decision there is like what you tell the kid in that situation but like making a whole like book where you've drawn <laughs> illustrations about how you came from a sperm donor like maybe wasn't the right answer right i feel like you could have easily like given their situation you could have been like you know before mommy met mom i was with a guy but then he also he, you know he wasn't interested in, in raising you but your other right. mother was very excited to raise you and we love you blah 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 i feel like right. you could have gone that route and then he could have found then, out later in life that it was the father didn't want anything to do with him because of an it was an affair right. you didn't maybe you didn't have to share that at the beginning but you could have just been like he didn't want to be your, in your life like Right. That's true. And, <laughs> and I feel like explaining that to young kids, people think that kids aren't like aren't able to understand these things, but I think they understand them a lot better than we give them credit for. And if they're introduced to like a watered down version of the truth at a young age, it's a lot easier to accept the full truth when they're more mature enough to hear it. Right. Definitely. But but, but I know. don't have kids from an affair or any other place. So it's really hard to, that's, to know. That's true. Nor do I. So, you know, we're not in that position. We're not here to give you parenting advice. <laughs> but if you're lying flat out to your children about something, maybe you should reconsider that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's all we're saying. <laughs> yeah. But um, in some ways, uh, Jean is kind of in a, a similar situation in terms yeah. of like not being truthful to to Jacob right. or, or Dan. Uh, <laughs> okay, did we see him in like the last season? Because I have no memory of him being in the show at any other point before this season. I was trying to remember as well because I also don't remember seeing him. And I feel like I would have because he was one of the three main people in Lovesick, which is a series we love. So I was like... So I I knew I recognized him, but I was like, but not from this show. I was like, I don't remember. Must be it was just like a one night stand or something. Yeah, or maybe yeah, maybe he met she met him in a bar. They could have also changed the casting between seasons. That's true. But, but I don't even remember that being like part of Jean's storyline before she became pregnant. Like when she she was with Jacob, and I I know that she always had doubts that Jacob was the father, and that's why she has the paternity test. And at the end of season three, like we kind of are left to assume that Jakob was probably not the father because she's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I thought she had slept with Otis's dad again. Did she not? I thought that was the confusion of who's the father. Yeah, I guess, I, I think, yeah, maybe you're right about that. I can't remember now. But yeah, so, appa yeah. but apparently she's 95 point whatever percent sure that it's him, so. 
Yeah. Like, well, apparently there are, is at least a small other chance that it's somebody else. <laughs> yeah. But Which yes. means that he cheated on Jakob with multiple people. Yeah. One. But, uh, so yeah. So she, you, you, in this new season, Jakob's out of her life. She has joy and she is very much really? struggling. <laughs> we get the, yeah, and, and like from episode one, basically, yeah. I was like, he definitely has postpartum depression. Like that yeah. is definitely where they're going to go with this character storyline. And, and it absolutely is. And she very much does not want to accept that and, and, or accept help for it because she's like, she is the therapist. She doesn't want to be like being treated for anything. Um, and is very kind of stubborn in that way. But, but like, it's obvious even to, to Otis that she is struggling so he calls her sister and says that you know my mom she needs help can you come and kind of like stay with us and help with the baby so then we get to meet Joanne who oh, comes God. into the picture yeah. and immediately has a date with Dan who's the baby daddy that she doesn't realize <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I really I like their storyline a lot yeah I thought I thought it was interesting to introduce Joanne so late in the series, like, you know, yeah. not till season four. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like we realized that both of them have sort of unresolved things from childhood traumas. And ultimately, Joanne is starting to accept to deal with it towards the end. But but yeah, I guess having her come so that Jean can kind of turn her attention towards the podcasting thing or the radio thing radio yeah. so that she doesn't have to deal with the fact that she is dealing with postpartum is, is probably a good, you know, that was a good, a good strategy on the writer's part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it also brings in the opportunity to talk about Jean's past more because yeah. we don't really have before this season, like we don't never really got any glimpses into Jean's past at all. So like we kind of realized that her, Mother was clearly not like a great parent and had been dating and or married to, it's unclear, some some guy who was sexually abusing Joanne, Jean's sister, for probably multiple years of their childhood. And it seems that Jean was probably aware to some extent that it was happening, but she yeah. was also a young kid and didn't really know what to do about it. And now as an adult, she's like wanting Joanne to like confront that and, and get help for it. And Joanne's initially like resistant to the idea and, you know, accuses, like basically tells Jean, your life is fucked up too. So like, who are you to tell me what to do with my life? But they, they ultimately, you know, she does accept the help in, in a very nice way by calling into Jean's radio station and asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Jean, you know, admits that she does have postpartum depression and gets on antidepressants for that as well. She does, yeah. And then she starts finding her way in her radio world to start maybe returning back to her her normal. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen the conversation where Jean tells Dan that he's yes. the father of the baby. Like, we're, I'm sure we're, like, meant to assume that's what happens, but we don't get to see that conversation. And... I kind of liked the idea of like Joanne and Dan working out and them being like this weird kind of threesome, you know, where Jean is the mom of the baby and Dan is the dad and Dan is with Joanne, who's the aunt of the baby. And like the three of them just like working together to raise joy would be like a cool setup. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that would be cute, too. Because, yeah, I don't think but, Jean doesn't really have seem to have any interest in like being with Dan at all. 
but she did though like initially they seem to connect on such a strong level and then she says that she had sex with him and all of his toes were the same length so she was no longer attracted to him but i'm like maybe maybe she was just saying that oh, to gene yeah. like make gene think that she that she wasn't interested in dan anymore like maybe she still really is you know oh yeah no yeah i totally think joanne definitely is into him but yeah gene okay. not so much okay. um <laughs> no you're good but yeah joanne i think I, I think a lot of part of that is like, yeah, to make Jean think that she doesn't like her like him. But I think part of what jo- why Joanne was saying that it was to give herself a reason to run, you know, because yeah. she uh-huh. she has a really great quote that I wrote down about, like, not wanting to stand still. And so, you know, that she's just kind of like, even though it seems like they're a really good match, she's just running. And eventually right. we see, you know, she doesn't get on the bus. So she's confronting yeah. things. So maybe they'll be okay. together. Who knows? I would like that. I like the idea that they're able to work that out somehow yeah. where like, the three of them can all be involved in the baby's life and involved in each other's lives. And because Jean or not Jean, Joanne and Dan seem like they do make a really weird, cute couple. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know, but you know, we can hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the the last oh, well we have Viv and Bo. Viv and Bo short storyline. Bo is a sociopath. Yep. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. And and Viv is strong and self confident enough to recognize that and and to tell him off and to tell him to never never come near her again, kind of thing. Yeah. After, after initially struggling with it a little bit because she really I think she liked the idea of somebody liking her that much. You know, yeah. there was like he really seemed to be into her like right from the beginning and he seemed to be really nice and then he turns into a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Very controlling asshole. Yeah. Jealous. Like probably would have been physically abusive if she'd stayed with him kind yeah. of person. <clears throat> Clearly, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the last storyline is uh, Adam slash Michael's stuff. Yeah. And and Abby and Roman a little bit. Oh yeah, the, Abby and Roman. You know, yeah, Abby and Roman. Uh, but yeah, Adam and Michael. They I not not where I expected Adam's storyline to go to have him end up like working on a farm with horses, but I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> and we do. You know, he we do see him have an affinity for dogs. He like did the dog show. So yeah. he, last season or two seasons ago, I can't remember. So, I think it was last season, yeah. Yeah, so clearly he has, you know, interest in animals. But yeah, to <laughs> to go and be on a, work on a farm with horses after having essentially lied and never worked with it. Or he under, misunderstood, I think, the job. Yes. Yeah, because uh, he started uh, something about cleaning kennels. And he thought they meant yeah. dog kennels. But it was like horse kennels, actually. Um, as a place where people can, like, kennel horses. And also where they apparently give riding lessons to children. Yeah, but he yeah. makes it and he... You know, he gets to meet Jem. Big dogs, right? (laughs) (laughs) Big dogs. Um, And uh, yeah, I like that he eventually seems to be getting on well with Jem. Yeah. And he kind of learns that, you know, he makes a mistake and actually accidentally breaks a fence and immediately thinks that, like, you know, he's fired and, like, everyone's going to be angry and, like, and his dad's going to be disappointed in him. Yeah, and he kind of comes to realize that, like, he needs to let go of that part of his life and that his dad has kind of, like, made him feel worthless. And, 
he he's not gonna, really going to let himself feel that anymore. And so he's able to to move past that in some way. And he confronts his dad about it and like kind of says all of that, you know, straight to his face. And I think that that, that helps both of them to kind of reconnect ultimately. Yeah. And so we see a little redemption arc for Michael as he's trying to like, you know, learn to be more attentive and caring. And part of that yeah. at the beginning seems like, you know, motivated by wanting to get back with Maureen. Um, yeah. But as he starts to do things with Adam, I think he starts to realize that. And then, yes, when Adam finally confronts him and is like, you know, you're the coward, you're the one who hates their life. You know, you're the one who's, who's failed at X and Y. And yeah, I think that ultimately is the, is the big switch that turn that flips for him. And he yeah. starts actually caring about things. Yeah. And like, I do think that Michael, see, I hated him so much. In the I know. Sense, but, but like, I do think that he is truly like recognizing that he was an asshole both to Michael and to, or both to Adam and to Maureen and, and probably to pretty much everybody else yeah. in his life that he was like this terribly repressed person who was just mean to everyone. And he is apparently taking some sort of like online self-help course. And he is actively trying to like recognize when, when he says things that are wrong and to apologize for them. And I, I don't love the idea of like him and Maureen getting back together, but like at the same time, maybe it's a good thing. It's hard to tell. <laughs> it is. It is hard to tell. Cause I feel like they ultimately haven't been a part that I, I don't know. It's hard to tell what the time timeline yeah. is here, but I feel like they haven't been a part that long. So maybe it's a bit early days to be getting in, but he does have yeah. that realization on the air uh, of like, you know, the reason yeah. he can't get it up with other women is because he still loves whoever they, you know, I don't know. It also might just be the woman that he chose was crazy, but... Oh my god, she, like, jumped on him, was grinding Holy right shit. away. I was like, oh. Whoa. Like, maybe, maybe that's just not the right person for you to be dating. Right, maybe he just needs a more intimate approach, rather. But I guess, like, my concern is that if Maureen takes him back and they do decide to, like... I don't know if they ever officially got divorced or if they were just separated, but like if they get back together, that he's going to stop working on himself right. and it's going to go back to the same, you know, old habits kind of thing. But you know, if they can figure out a way to navigate that where Michael continues to like grow and evolve as a person, you know, then it would probably work out and be okay. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't want him to go back to who he was before. <laughs> right. And I think it does help too that like, both Adam and Maureen are now more likely to speak their mind and actually confront him. Whereas right. like for a lot of their life, they were just dealing with, you know, his attitude towards everything and how he was treating them. And now it seems like they're very much not willing to accept that. So right. I think that'll help keep him from slipping back in. Right. I they'll hope. call him out on it. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. between the two of them, they'll, they'll call him out on his shit. Yeah. <laughs> we can hope exactly we can only hope but you know i overall i did like the the character progressions and the character arcs for both of them yeah but yeah then we have uh uh abby and and roman abby and roman which they were new characters to this season so there you know there's not a whole lot of character development between them but but a little bit you know they they are a couple both of them are trans abby was kind of kicked out of her 
parents' house or family's lives entirely, it seems, and is, like, living with Roman and his family now. And she is very much into, like, everything being positive all of the time. You can never have any negative thoughts to the point where, like, she ultimately has to have a conversation or her friends have to have a conversation with her about, like, toxic positivity and just, like, this is this is too much. You have to... Sometimes things just suck and you have to be able to allow yourself to feel that and, yeah. and embrace that, too. <laughs> yeah, and we see, yeah, uh, because she was toxically happy she was kind of like not facing things that were irritating her and not wanting to speak her mind about certain things which is how she ultimately ends up burning uh roman's blanket that their nan that his nan had did for him so sad i mean she doesn't start the blanket on fire she starts the rug on fire and then they use the blanket to put the fire out you know they could have picked something else i suppose but the blanket that is nan knitted him is ruined at that point yeah which is sad maybe maybe she's still alive and can fix it maybe maybe i do like that he's just like me nan knitted that i'm gutted i liked that a lot i know it was great but, and uh, and O's accent actually as well. Like they both have cool accents. Yeah, O is O is apparently from Northern Ireland, so it's like, yeah. ooh, interesting. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was a lot of. It was kind of it, yeah. I'm sure they could have done a lot more interesting things too, like to further their story as we go through. But there are some there were nice characters to introduce from this like new kind of like new age hippie school essentially. It's run. School like that that exists anywhere in the world, but it'd yeah. be really cool if it did. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's like I can understand like one like the idea of having sort of like a student led thing or like a school with like less restriction is probably an appealing thing to students. But I feel like the reality is is that like you do you do need structure, and right. I <laughs> and I feel like sometimes we forget that that's kind of an essential part of like helping people become adults yeah Yeah, like like especially at a high school level but even like at a college level i can't picture this level of like freedom and diversity existing in in one single school anywhere (laughs) at least not now but in in our current world but maybe someday (laughs) yeah i guess um speaking of the school the last thing that maybe the last kind of little story arc it's only in one episode but it's important is the um the the issues that they're having with accessibility oh yeah like despite the school being you know something you know having so much diversity and supposedly being so accepting diversity uh, i mean um accessibility uh is something that they are very much lacking in and so you know from the first episode we see the the only elevator in the school breaking down you know them getting trapped in there a little bit um it being an issue for isaac because like all of his classes seem to be on like the second and third floor and this is his only way to get to them right and then so we have you know isaac who kind of like leads this sort of like coup against the against the school to like essentially do a sit-in and not take exams until the elevator is fixed although it seems they just need to replace it but yeah i mean there's like a maintenance person on the campus who somehow like tinkers with it and gets it going each time but then it just continues to like break very regularly so like it definitely seems like it needs some major repair (laughs) yeah and so also i'm pretty sure isaac illegally pulled a fire alarm oh yeah oh yeah 100 percent yes 
Uh, and I'm yeah. guessing the um, the the handy person and Amy must have blocked the stairway. I, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Isaac probably didn't help with that much. Maybe it was his idea. But yeah. Oh, it, I'm sure it was. I loved when Amy looked at him and she's like, "You've got mischief in your eyes." Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they do that, and then of course that also brings about you know Aisha bringing out the point that like they left her in a classroom not knowing what was going on during a right. fire alarm where she could have just burned to death right. um, because, yeah. you know, she uh, uses hearing aids, but relies heavily on lip reading um, right. to do something, which, you know, goes to show that like, I, you know, I think a lot of people like do overestimate the about of lip reading people can actually do. And right. it's like, obviously you need to be looking right at them and all this stuff. And so she, she kind of goes and talks about how they never, they kind of like never thought about accommodating her with an interpreter or anything like that. Right. It's just forgotten. And I love that after that conversation, um, Roman and Abby are learning British sign language to yeah. like communicate with her. I was like, oh, that's nice. And, and at the auction too, at the end, they brought in yeah. like um, uh, someone doing sign language during the auction as well, yeah. which I thought was nice. And I'm sure it was, you know, it, because of everything she said. Yeah. <laughs> you don't ever see one at any point before that. Nope. So yeah, so that's being, you know, that was a good thing for them to bring up as well. And I'm glad yeah, they, they did. They really try to like touch on every like issue in society, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Which oh. is, is nice, but it's it's a lot to take in in one show. Yeah. And speaking to that, we also have O, who comes out or is kind of like forced out <laughs> as asexual as well. Yeah. So I mean... I, I don't I don't agree that Otis outed her because like he no. had no idea that she was asexual. She chose to then come out as asexual to save her campaign. Yeah. She didn't need to do that. <laughs> but That's true. you know, that wasn't like he was what saying what he was saying, knowing that she was ace. You know, that that wasn't the case at all. Um yeah. but then like everybody's it backfires on Otis and, and it makes everybody's like, Oh, you outed her. And it's like, he didn't know that she was asexual. Right. Nobody knew that except for her. She, she chose to come out as a, a way of saving face and saving her campaign in that moment. Yeah. And uh, I think it also like, in a way it's, it's kind of like, a, it shows some similarity between O and Otis and that like, despite being able to openly communicate or help people, communicate with them and also communicate with themselves about like the different issues that they're dealing with. Like there are some ways where like Otis and O can't communicate how they're feeling to others. And so, right. you know, O decides to like ghost all these people before they can get intimate because she doesn't want that aspect of the relationship, but she right. can't fully express that. And so, you know, it shows, yeah. And which I'm sure is probably, maybe a thing a lot of therapists in general may struggle with. Like you yeah. therapize for your job and yet like even with Jean, like yeah, ad admitting things. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, admitting things to yourself is just like harder sometimes. But yeah. Yeah. I guess if you do it for a job, maybe it's harder to do it in real life. Could be, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is pretty much Absolutely. the long and short. Um obviously long really. Yeah. There wasn't much this podcast <laughs> there really wasn't i mean but that was a long i mean eight plus hours of stuff so yes 
And um, like, and like we said, this is this the finale, the final season. So like, it's wrapping up all of the storylines, plus introducing several new storylines and. They they do a lot. They cover a lot of ground. They cover a lot of issues, and it's yeah. all done yeah. really well and and very tastefully. Um, it is they very even, very. Uh, yeah, they even touch on the importance of like not sending a flaccid penis selfie, like Otis God. does. <laughs> Episode one, halfway through, you will see many flaccid penises full on the screen. Yes, with apparently. <laughs> Just wa- in case you're wondering. <laughs> with apparently wonky pubes, because. I mean, I don't know that they were wonky so much as they were just completely shaved off. Right. That's too funny. Oh my god. I love that Eric is just like, why is it flaccid? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, like taking the picture as an attempt to like send a dick pic to Maeve kind yeah. of thing. Because she had sent him a picture of her boobs. So he was trying to reciprocate. And was not able to ultimately send the photo. But they do have phone sex then afterwards. They do. And that also, like, touches on, like, a thing about Otis, you know, talking about how he's not really happy with his body all the time. Which I think is good, you know, showing that, you know, despite the fact that, like, men are often seen as, like, not really caring about their physical image as much, like, they do also struggle with with body issues. They didn't really go too far into it, but they touched on it. I mean, I feel like he got over his body issues after he showed the entire school multiple pictures of his flaccid dick. Well, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? There's no going back from that, really. <laughs> like, oh, well, that now now Eric really knows him quite intimately. I don't think he was like yeah. just trying to block the eyes of the two people next to him when he pulls the hat down over <laughs> that guy. I did like that. Um, like the reaction to that though is like the school just feel ba- feels bad for him. There's not really yeah. anyone like really making fun of him. They're just like, oh. Guy, and I think, yeah, I think he even expressed at one point he's like, It's very strange because they're all very have been everyone has been very supportive of that. (laughs) I guess if that was going to happen at any school, he chose the the right school for it to happen at, right? (laughs) But yeah, so that uh, I think is the long and the long and short, yes. (laughs) Oh my god, did you have any quotes? I do have a few quotes, so do I. I have several. Um, yeah uh I'll, I'll start us off with a quote from amy which is just hiya crumpet yeah. <laughs> i will also start us off with a quote from amy where someone's asked her where her car is and she says i let a family of squirrels live in it and now it's having loads of repairs <laughs> <laughs> that is something she would do yeah um i like this little exchange between isaac and amy where he says um, a lot of female artists like to use self-portraiture and she says, maybe it's because other people don't see them how they really are. Um, when going back to, to Otis's flaccid dick and before before he shows it to everybody and Eric is like trying to talk him into to sending a dick pic to Mavis, he's like, just send her your dick, root to tip, just send it. <laughs> root to tip. Oh, God. Um, I like that Amy says this to Maeve and Otis at breakfast. Guys, eggs are just chicken, period, aren't they? I wrote that one down, too. <laughs> and, and yes, yes, they are. <laughs> um, when Adam is, like, sort of starting to reconnect with his dad, and his dad tells him about the course he's taking, 
and he goes into like how he had a week in his teenage years when when he thought he was gay adam is just like yeah this course is me you're this course you're doing is making you really weird (laughs) (laughs) oh let's see i have gene say um sometimes our loved ones can see us much more clearly than we can see ourselves oh yeah i wrote that one down too that was a good one yeah um i have another one with adam talking to his dad and he says never take more than one viagra your penis will explode yeah call back to season one (laughs) yes (laughs) um i like that gene is just funny because of terminology gene says that uh, they've replaced oh quote until that stuff about her getting deleted works out and he's oh just like canceled mom yeah yeah Canceled, mom. Um, this was a quote from O when I, I believe it's when O and Otis were trapped in the elevator together. She says, "You need to let that fear go because you can't love anyone without risk. Stop getting in the way of yourself." Yeah, yeah. That's an, when he finally realizes that it's his fear of heartbreak that's holding him back from from being intimate with Maeve and not, you know some weird mother oedipus relationship right <laughs> which is kind of like what he makes it sound like to Maeve, and she's like what you're picturing your mom <laughs> she's like no it's not that <laughs> not like that um i like abby she when uh, eric was kind of like saying he should do more she says not everyone can fight eric and that's okay yeah um amy says when they're kind of all still looking for cal um but I think they're talking, I think she's talking to um to Viv at this point. She says, love should make you feel safe. It should make you feel braver because you can be totally yourself around that person. It shouldn't be confusing and it shouldn't be scary. Yeah. I had that one too. Very good quote. <laughs> it is. Um, okay. God said to Eric. <laughs> God said to Eric. <laughs> they said, um, uh, I made you this bright so that others would see you in the darkness. Oh, I liked that. Yeah, because he's always been very like flamboyant and brightly colored. So that was very like on point quote for Eric to hear. Yeah. And his mom had had always talked about how like, you know, when he first started dating Adam, for example, that she could see him, his light and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at the very end, when Jean and Otis are talking, um, she says, I think you shouldn't try to block out all of those emotions because that's how heartbreak becomes unresolved and turns into something bitter. It's really important that you feel those feelings as much as they might hurt. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, the last one I had is, uh, Joanne, uh, saying, I'm scared that if I stop moving and I start properly talking about what happened, then it might all catch up on me and I won't be able to pretend that I'm okay anymore. Mm, that's a really good one. I was, I don't have any more. All right. Well, that's our quotes. <laughs> that was our the show. But yes. Funny and, you know, very and serious. Yes. But yeah, so um, that is uh, season four of Sex Education, our last season. Sad. Yeah. If you but, haven't watched the show, I would recommend starting with season one and watching all of it because oh, yeah. it's great. It's very good. It's a very good show. Definitely. Definitely one of the best Netflix originals. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> uh, if you uh, if you watch season four, feel free to reach out to us on uh, Twitter and let us know what you thought at NNO Podcast. Or if you have any thoughts or suggestions about things, shows, movies you'd like us to talk about in the future, feel free to send us an email to navigatingnetflixoriginals at gmail.com. 
Alrighty. And uh, thanks again for dealing with our, you know, sporadic upload schedule, but uh, don't expect it to get any better. No, but uh, yeah. So until next time, thanks everyone. And bye. bye.